this is Greener Grass, a podcast. We are your hosts, Carrie Wheat and Kelly McVeigh, now with the Digitant Network. How's it going, guys? I hope you're having a wonderful day. Um, it's been cold over there on the East Coast, most of the country. Um, hope you guys are doing okay. Uh, we'd love for you to join the Greener Grass family, opt in for our newsletter. We've been sending one um, once a month uh, starting in the new year. All right, guys, this is Brooke Gray, and I was listening to this listening to this um, recording and editing with my mouth agape. She basically, as a teenager, was sent to one of these adolescent wilderness camps um, by her parents when she kind of uh, took a turn and, you know, didn't have the best behavior as a teen and, you know, gives us a recount of her experience. Uh, it is fascinating and it's insane (laughs) honestly um but she talks about what she took away from it and how it changed her life and um you know all of it so this is this is so intriguing I hope you guys find it as interesting as I do let's get started okay so greener grass listeners I have a dear super good friend Um, And in some ways, I mean, I feel like we've known each other for a super long time, but I've just gotten to become closer friends in the last year, I would say, where I'm checking on her, she's checking on me at night, all the things. Um, And from work, I should say, but Brooke Gray is someone that I've known for quite a long time and always looked up to in a lot of ways. And I was blown away because A couple of weeks ago, she was speaking on our actual, our virtual kickoff call. She was one of the keynote speakers and she mentioned something that I had no idea about her. Like we had never talked about it. She had never said anything about it. And what she mentioned was in high school and she's going to give us the details. So if I say some of these incorrectly, she can, she can fix us up. But in (laughs) high school, she was basically sent away to one of those teenage, you know, rebellious teenage desert camps like we've heard these stories and the funny thing about her mentioning it and she was mentioning it in a positive way which is even funnier that she was talking about climbing up of the mountain and you're not looking for the top of the mountain but you're looking for just the next step just the next step and she was using it as an analogy or inspirational moment to share that you're always not looking for that goal the top of the mountain but you're doing each step and she mentioned that where she got this amazing motivation <laughs> from was something the teenage camp she was sent to and so funny I had two things one I had just listened to a podcast with Paris Hilton and Paris Hilton's new book because Paris Hilton in her new book talks about like these guys came into her room snatched her out of her room took her away um, because I think she was like running around Beverly Hills doing all these things that her parents didn't agree with or maybe it was New York City she was like clubbing but she was like literally taken from her bedroom and so I had just listened to this podcast about her talking about her book and all of the things. And then I'm a huge documentary person. And that week, I think I found this documentary because I was like interested in the subject matter or intrigued or whatever you want to say. And it was a documentary about, um, you know, a camp like this, that even a couple kids like died at the camp because it was like such rough conditions. And it had like, profile you know interviews with kids that had gone there and things that happened to them while they're while they were there and interviews with the parents for the camp that I was watching the documentary some of the parents 
didn't even really realize what their kids were going through. They thought they were doing something like positive for their child to get them right on the right path. So it's so funny that these two things, the universe put these two things in my pathway that week. And then Brooke Gray, who I know, mentioned <laughs> the story about being sent away. And so I was like, oh my gosh, can we chat about this? So Brooke Gray, welcome to Greener Grass. Thank you. And I'd love for you to, can you just start off by giving us a little background, whatever you want to share about like where you grew up and all the things. So I am in Southern California. Um, and I'm in Southern California. I am not <laughs> in California. And I grew up here. Um, I grew up in Southern California. I'm, I still live in Southern California. I still live in the town I grew up in, which is very funny. So I run into all these people that I was a wild one with, um, yeah. And my parents got divorced at a young, at around 13. So that was a big turning point for me. And so, I mean, listen, I am friends with you, like social fun, life of the party, always and always super cute and fashionable, stylish. I mean, listen, <laughs> you're just posting on your Instagram pictures with Jamie Foxx, cause you ran into Jamie Foxx. So like who, how would I possibly know that you are someone that would have a wild, wild ch childhood, but how did you feel like what was happening? Your parents got divorced. What was happening that kind of led this path that your parents chose this and did this? So I was straight A student, president of eighth grade, volleyball, tennis, basketball, um, everything you can straight A's. French, you know, French, I was in everything that I should be doing. I was a good kid. Um, parents got divorced. It was a really nasty divorce. I don't blame them. Are you an only child? I'm the youngest. The older one was sent away to boarding school. Okay. So she was gone. Okay. And she was, she was, um, actually she was naughty and she was sent away too. Okay. <laughs> That's a whole nother one. She'll tell you that story. Hers okay. is different we can have her on too. We can have her yeah. on too. Yeah. Uh, we have that, we have that in common. So yeah. So I, I, I had a switch around the time of 16. It took me a little while to get there. 15 and a half. I went from private to public school, um, and been in private school my whole life. And then all of a sudden just switched to public. And it was kind of like, I went from all girl Catholic school to like boys and parties and fun. And, um, I got, you know, probably had some daddy issues, I'm sure, because my dad was, you know, off doing his thing and I didn't, I was having trouble with him. And I kind of went a little wild. Um, I wasn't on drugs. I was not on drugs. I will tell you that. Um, I tried drugs. I didn't like them. I'm not, I'm not, and I do not have an addictive personality. Um, yeah. They were around me a lot. My parents thought I was on drugs, but I wasn't. I drank a lot. I drank more than I should have. Okay. So 15, 16. So let's let Kelly McVeigh live vicariously mm -hmm. through you, which like I drank once my senior year. Like I, oh, I was yeah. not, but you know we what? We had a vodka ball bottle in the car, Kelly. I look back and I'm like, I it, like, I don't have any great stories. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't fun. Like what was going on? But I, but I was the person that like, they would show up the next morning and like help everyone clean up the house. And, yeah, like, but you didn't get sent away. So you're lucky. <laughs> so were you like sneaking out of your window? Yes. Like tell me. Yes. Your oh yes. Oh yes. The gardener said that he knew the day I moved out because the the bushes in front of the window actually grew back. That's like true. I was very, um, I, the funny thing was, is when I would sneak out at night, I wouldn't do anything bad. It was almost just to rebel. Like yeah. I had a good friend that would take me to Denny's at night and we would go get like French fries and chicken fingers Yeah. on a school night at like midnight. We would just, I would just climb out my window and we'd go eat and then I'd come back. I just wasn't, um, I wasn't 
I wasn't listening. I didn't like to be told anything. And I wasn't going into school enough. My grades were dropping. And I had a terrible boyfriend who was really awful and abusive. And was and was he older than you? A year older. Mm-hmm. And so do you think part of your parents like was because of the boyfriend and the Oh yeah. Yeah. He had um I broke up with him and he tried to kill me. Okay. And so my parents finally were like, you know, remember, and I grew up in a very affluent area, but like West Side Village, as you said, Jamie Foxx lives here, like yeah. Or we grew, I didn't grow up camping. I didn't grow up in a poor area or, you know, we had, I wasn't given everything. I wasn't like Paris Hilton. My parents yeah. gave me, you know, a Toyota Tercel for my 16th. Like I was a used Tercel. Yeah. You know, yeah. there, a lot of the girls were driving brand new BMWs. I was not like they were, they made me work. Yeah. Um, if I wasn't going to be in a sport, like they definitely, my dad was not just handing out money to me. Um, right. I just didn't want to be told what to do. And I, at 17, um, I worked a ton. I had a job. I worked at a bikini shop. So I worked every day. I was on the school program, whatever. So I got out of school at noon and I would work from 12 to like eight or 12 to six. I worked every day. And um, I ended up moving out when I was 17 and got like a townhouse. I lied and told the girl I was 18 and I got a townhouse. And so I was paying my own rent rent for like three months, maybe. That is hysterical because you had, you also had the financial means to be a party girl because you Mm -hmm. had a job. I had a job and all my friends were a little bit older. You know, everybody, I was always like, my friends were always a year older. So So was this something that your parents were, first of all, your parents are divorced at this time. Were they super aligned in parenting? No, because they didn't speak. No. Okay. Okay. And then was this something that like you saw coming, like you were threat, they were, they were threatening you. Everyone's not like, we're going to send you whatever, or because well, they told my sister. So my sister got sent away. So yeah. I knew that, but she was really bad. I thought like naughty, you know, and she got kicked out of school and stuff. Um, yeah. and she was doing a lot of drugs and stuff and I wasn't, um, but I was, I was just really rebellious and they were scared what he was going to do to me. I was not in a good, healthy relationship. He was abusive. He was crazy. He was on drugs. I was like the saver. I was trying to save him. And like, you know, and I was young. I didn't understand. I thought when someone said, I'm sorry, or I love you that they meant it. I didn't understand. Yeah. So was it like, okay, Saturday you're being sent to X. Like, did you have a pamphlet? Did they like, what was. So my mom wanted to have, so my cousin went to the (laughs) We're like family that gets sent away. My cousin, um, who's a male who loves camping and all that stuff. He was sent away. He was a male. He passed away. He um, was sent away to this place. So my aunt, who's my mom's older sister, had been telling her about it. And my mom had been telling my dad about it. And my dad said, absolutely not. No one is going to pick up my daughter in the middle of the night and take her. Like that is like terrifying because totally. that's what most of them pick you up in the middle of the night. That's and what like, I've heard. Like I've heard these stories, like they literally come in and get you and yeah. like take And my you. dad's like, that's just not happening. So he said, um, they sat me down. I don't know if it was together or not, but I remember my mom saying like, here's a pamphlet. Here's what it's called. It was called Pathfinders and it was in New Mexico and you only have to go for six weeks. And, um, you know, if you agree to it, we won't have them kidnap you in the middle of the night. And then you can come back and live at home and go back to school. And I was like, well, and I remember like, this is like such 17 year old thinking. I knew I was going to be 18 in March. So I was like, well, they can't keep me that long anywhere because I'm going to be 18. And yeah. my boyfriend was in jail at the time. Well, he was my ex at that point. He had he had beaten me up pretty bad. And so I, I yeah. pressed charges. 
And um, I said, I was like, well, it's like a six weeks, like workout schedule. Like I'll be so ripped and fit. And like all that, like, I didn't think about anything else. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, it's not going to be hard. It'll just be like hiking and like exercising. I'll be so fit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but, um, Canyon ranch or whatever. Like yeah, that's what I thought. I literally was like, that's what it's going to be like. And yeah. little did I know it was not six weeks and I was not allowed to have contact with anybody at all. So it was, it was much more different than I thought. So I agreed, I agreed to go after Christmas. So I went on December 26, 1995. And that's the year I graduated. Oh, really? So you know. Okay. So, yeah. Cause you're only one year older than me. Yeah. I graduated yeah. in 95. Okay. So did you like pack a bag or like no you don't bring anything um okay. I had my I think I had my I had, must have had a wallet because I had money with me so I had a wallet and um I guess a purse and that's it and I got on they put me on a plane to New Mexico and I got to New Mexico and I remember thinking if I just keep walking off this like you know back those days people could come to the plane when you would get yeah. off the plane they were waiting for you so I remember I was like, if I just keep walking, what if nobody knows who I am? How are they going to know who I am? I'll just keep walking and then I'll leave. <laughs> like I'll just, I decided, you know, I had a whole plane ride there. Like we didn't have phones at the time. It wasn't, yeah. you know, we had yeah, pagers. Yeah. So they're waiting for you, I'm assuming. So this guy's waiting for me. He looked definitely, and he says my name and he, you know, come with me. And he takes me in the car and he drives me out into the middle of the desert, like way out. The town was called Truth or Consequences, Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. And I think he drove me through fast food. I don't remember. And he said, this is the last time you're going to have fast food for a while. And I think, I think I had like Taco Bell or something. I don't know. And we, and so then they take you out into the desert. By the time you get there, it must've been, it was the middle of the night because it was really late and it was dark. So I remember they, they got me out there and then they hike you out. So then you hike. So they drive out to the middle of the desert. And then this man, I can't remember his name, Willie. He, then he hiked me, older man, he was a psychologist. Then he hiked me out into the middle of nowhere. Like, so you're in like, there's no, you can't see lights. You can't see a town. You can't see which way is which. All you know is you're in the middle you of nowhere. Like, listen, I think you and I probably fall in the same category of when people, I remember being in a meeting, this was probably like 15, 20 years ago. And someone said they were going on vacation for three weeks in the summer and they were literally going like 20 minutes from where we live in their camper with all of their kids and I, in my mind I was like so you're gonna go 30 minutes from your house where there's no air conditioning you have to shower outside in like a little thing with your three kids in a confined little camp Awful. like this is not this is what this is not vacationing for me yeah. so I feel like you and I don't feel very much like campers which listen oh, no. I no, think I had never if you're a camper, freaking fantastic. But Brooke Gray and I were not campers. No, so I mean, I camped at the Ritz Carlton. <laughs> exactly. Are yeah, you feeling like stressed out? Like, are you thinking about like animals and like what's happening? Like what is going through your mind? Oh, I was just so scared. I was just scared. Like what is going to happen out here? What, what am I doing? I mean, but I was so, I think I was also so lost that I also knew I needed something. I know yeah. I, I don't blame my parents for sending me. I just know that they were scared and I was scared. I knew something needed to change, but yeah. I didn't know, you know, I think I was just out of control and I didn't know. So at this point I was just thinking my parents aren't going to, like my cousin went here. He survived. He lived, he looked like yeah. a mountain man, but he survived. So like, I'm not going to die. Yeah. You know? Was so. this guy like, um, even though he was serious, did he seem like he cared? Yeah. He was a psychologist. 
Okay. He, he definitely cared. Um, okay. He was very sweet, very kind, very patient and gentle. He was not like some of the counselors. He was definitely more um, in tune and keeping me calm. You know, because I could have jumped out of the car. I could have done a lot. Of, you know, by the time they don't have you there, I mean, he was trying to be careful with me. Okay. So you get to truth and consequences. It sounds like an amazing town. I'm going to put it on my to-do yeah, for travel vacation. Um, you're in the middle of nowhere. Are you, do you meet kids they, or they strip you down? They strip you down. They take away everything from you, including your toenail polish, any eye makeup you had on any fingernail polish. They completely, the, the girl counselors come out. So you don't see any kids. The girl counselors come out and they look like they're homeless because they've been in the desert, you know, or I think they would go like one week at a time or whatever, sometimes two weeks. And so um, they come out and they strip you down completely. And, you know, I mean, they make sure you don't have any drugs on you, the whole thing. And then they put you back together. So they put like granny panties that were like this big. And I was so thin. They put like three sizes too big on me, you know? So I'm like rolling these granny panties. They put car hearts on me, like those baggy Carhartt pants, hiking yeah. boots, hiking socks, this ugly t-shirt. I'll send you pictures. This yeah. like plain blue or purple t-shirt. That's it. And a bra. And that's it. They strip you completely down. Everything is off. Everything. You have nothing. No jewelry. No nothing. No deodorant on. Nothing. They completely okay. strip you down. And there was an, a boy being stripped down at the same time on the other side. And I could hear them kind of talking over there. So he was coming in at the same time as I was. Did you feel, um, I mean, listen, I don't know if I'm going to say this correctly. This might be something I edited out like from dance and stuff. Like I was always changing in front of people because we danced and whatever, like it, but did you feel like, was there like a sexual weirdness that you're like no being sexual? No, no. You no didn't I think weird. I want to say she turned around probably when I put my underwear and bra on. I don't okay. remember that completely. I think I blocked out a lot from those years. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't remember feeling a sexual, no. okay. I remember them okay. being like, this is what you do. We strip you down, you put your clothes on, let's go. And then you get assigned to a tent or what happens? There's no tents. No, no, no. So then they give you a pack with your food for, for, for a week. So we hiked, we didn't have beds, rooms, tents, anything. We hiked to a different place every day or every other day. So okay. they gave me a giant pack and they tried to put it on me. They have to like, and that has your food for the week, your food rations for the week, which was like rice and lentils. And then they had, um, and then you had like a, a sleeping bag in there, a tarp and water, a water canteen. And so they tried to put it on me and I kept falling over because I was so frail and skinny. And again, I wasn't no eating disorder, no nothing. Like they would try to accuse me of all You're that. I was like, nothing. I was yeah. just tall. I was really thin. And so I kept falling over and they kept putting the pack on me and falling over. Like that's how heavy it was. I mean, it was a big pack, like a big real campers pack. Because I had to carry all my food for a week. Okay. And my water. And, then, and so then you just like, from that moment when you get there, do you just start off camp walking? So they had already had a campsite picked for that night so the kids were already it was evening time so the kids had already picked out their they were already sitting around the fire campfire and okay. then they walked the other guy and I in and we both hiked in together then we had to hike in like through I remember then you hike farther in like they never want you to know where you are because you'll run away okay kids did run away so then they hiked us into this campfire of all these homeless looking people because remember and they have a kids like um I ranged because everybody came in and left at separate times so okay. I would say there were probably 12 kids at that time maybe 10 12 
I don't think there was ever more than 15. Okay. Okay. And so and so you just sleep in a sleeping bag, like by a fire. Yeah. On the ground in the snow. And this was December 26th. It was snowing. I would literally die. I yeah. would die. There was, there was a tarp in a snowstorm. If it snowed, we would put up tarps. They taught us how to put up tarps over us and then tarps under us. But yeah, it was pretty cold. You would sleep with the sleeping bag over your head. Like, so your eyes were out. Oh my gosh. I can't even. Mind you, I had never gone camping a day in my life. So, and then the next day you just like take off and you start walking to the in next the morning. Day. Well, in the morning, I mean, there's, there's council. I mean, in the morning they wake you up, you have to have breakfast. We had oats for breakfast um, and powdered, powdered milk. You know, they would like put it. So we had a pot. We each had our own pot that we would cook in. Um, it was vegetarian. Mine was veg like this camp was vegetarian. There was no killing animals, um, yeah. which a lot of them, they do that. Um, and so then we got up in the morning and they'd have you like put up, you know, start the fire again, start your oats. Then you'd have to clean up your, where you slept and put everything together and put it back in your pack and everything. You'd have times like you get up at this time, you do that. I mean, it was very rigid. Yeah. You had to listen to what your counselors and then you would start hiking after breakfast. Sometimes we would do yoga. That's why I hate yoga, <laughs> by the way. Fine. Is Never there any kid that's like rebelling and like, F this, I'm not doing any of this. Like, did you yeah. see any? like losing their minds or like running away or anything? Um, there were, there was one kid that ran away. He was living in North Carolina. I remember he ran away in the middle of the night. Um, I don't know how he got back. He found some rancher in the middle of nowhere and they like hitchhiked out. Um, and then there was one other kid who was turning 18. The kid that hiked in with me, he was turning 18 when we were there and he, um, he got to, they dropped him off in, um, where was it? What's it called? El Paso. El Paso, the asshole of Texas. <laughs> yes. That's where they dropped him off. That's what they would tell us. And they dropped him off there. We had no deodorant. We had no toothpaste. We had no showers. We had no toilets. We had no toilet paper. I had nothing. Nothing. So you, when you're hiking, you just literally go over to the side and pee and then just pull your pants back up. So yeah, we could pee wherever we wanted. Um, that first, I remember that next day, they gave me a, a shovel and, and the other guy, I'm not going to say his name for privacy reasons, but the other guy is shovel. And they told us we had to dig a latrine. And I was like, I don't even know how to use a shovel. Like, I, didn't even know how to use I remember I was like, I went like, I just put the shovel like in the thing. And the guy's like, that's not. And I said, well, how, what's a latrine? And they're like, that's where you go to the bathroom. And I was like, well, how big, like a latrine for me. And they're like, no, I had to dig a latrine for as many people as there were one head length for each one head deep, shovel head deep, and three shovel heads long for each person. That's insane. And I was like, I don't even know how to use a shovel. So like, I got so strong. I mean, I learned, they taught me, they taught me how to use a shovel. They, we had to go to the bathroom and we didn't have toilet paper. We had to use rocks or snowballs. Oh my God, I can't handle this. Did mm -hmm. you feel, I'm sure that there was like this, but were there moments that you were like feeling like, digging deep and like learning about yourself and like, was it doing partially what you were meant to go there for? Or were you just like losing your mind the whole time or some of both? I think you, I think I lost my mind for the first, I mean, I was there, I ended up being there for 13 weeks. That's so insane. yeah, it was 13 with three months. Um, I got out March like 15th, I think, or whatever around there. Um, I remember thinking like, uh, I'm going to try and break my own ankle to get out of here. 
Um, I remember praying I was pregnant to get out of there, like all these things just to get out in the very beginning. Like, how do I get out? Because if you break your ankle, I remember thinking they couldn't help. They couldn't make me hike every day, five to 10 miles a day. So I was like on the one time I was on the hill and I kept trying to roll my ankle to break it and I couldn't do it. Do you, so never during this three month period, did you ever talk to your mom? You had no phone, you had no mirrors, you had no, no, no notes, no letters, nothing. So they would take pictures of us and send them for like proof of life to our parents. That's how I have those pictures, but they would yell at you if you smiled. And I'm always smiling. So they would get mad at me a lot and be like, that's fake. And I'm like, but when you take, like, here's a picture, you're somebody's going to take a picture of you, you're going to smile. Yeah. And they would yell at me and say, don't smile. Because if they send a picture to your mom, I'll smile at your mom's like, oh, she's really happy. Is she learning? I guess. In the very, in the very end, I think they took some pictures of me smiling, but they would yell at me. No letters, no communication. I remember saying this woman came out to meet me. Um, she wanted me to go to their boarding school in New Hampshire. I guess my parents talked to her. And so, and I remember saying, please tell my parents I need to leave here. Like, I don't want to stay here and I don't want to go to your boarding school. And she was like, oh, okay. And I never know what she told my parents, but I was like, if my parents knew what was going on here, they would not want me here. Like they would not want me pooping in the ground. <laughs> well, were you hungry? Like, I just, yeah. there's a million things that like, I know are just like, that's why you're there, but like hungry, cold, like I, me sleeping in a sleeping oh, yeah. bag, all I would be thinking about was like a tarantula or a snake. Oh, or- all the time. I would cover all the way. I would just like close me all the way up because I was so scared of snakes and tarantulas and spiders. And yeah, it was, I was, I was scared a lot. I was cold a lot. Um, I don't think I ever saw any wild animals out there for some reason. Yeah. Um, maybe because it was snowing and cold. Um, Do you think it's part of the reason that you're someone that doesn't give up and like mm -hmm. you have like such perseverance to keep going and such drive? I do. I think I learned, you know, I mean, I learned a lot. There's a lot of nuggets you take from there, right? Like there's a lot of things that I would do different. There's a lot of things that, uh, you know, I, I did learn, but I learned one thing is that I can do anything. If I could survive that with no shower, no toilet, I mean, I didn't have a shower for three months. I didn't shave my legs. I didn't pluck my eyebrows. I mean, I'm talking like a hairy monster. <laughs> like so gross. So did you, you were already thin. Did you lose a ton of weight? Oh, actually I gained weight and I got muscular, really muscular. Because you were hiking and digging yeah. and doing all these things. Like I had a booty, like muscular booty compared to where I was before I went. Okay. So you get to leave. I mean, you can tell me if I'm skipping anything that like anything that I'm missing here, but you get to leave. What is that? Like, do you same thing? You just, they take you back. Do you fly home dirty and disgusting? So your parents come, your parents come and you have like a whole graduation. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and they usually tell you the night before, right? So of course you can't sleep the night before. Um, so I was there 13 weeks, March comes, and I knew that I was kind of slowly getting there. You could tell when you're close to graduating because like they start treating you better. I was helping bring in like when other girls would come in, I remember like trying to help them and talk to them. Um, you know, so every night there was, I mean, I, I got to back up a little bit. Every night there was therapy every day. There was therapy. I mean, I had more therapy than all of us combined. Like I had therapy at lunch. We had therapy at dinner. Um, sometimes you listen to other people's, sometimes you engage, sometimes you don't. Um, they, what, there was that, 
Did you get to decide, like, was graduation based on how they felt like you were doing from therapy? Yeah, and yeah all you don't get things? to decide. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you have no decision. I had no idea. But so you have all the therapy, you figure out stuff, you, you know, understand how to do things differently. Um, there, most of the kids there, I will like tell you, I was the only kid they ever accepted from California. Um, and most of the kids there were really gnarly. <laughs> like I was, I was like, wow, except the really, the guy I walked in with who was smoking hot and I had such a crush on him and they knew I did. Um, they, oh, he was so hot. He's so, he still is really hot. Um, and, but most of the families were extremely well off. Like yeah. Robert Downey, Robert Downey Jr.'s nephew was there. I mean, there was a lot of people there, but most of them, nobody was from California. They were all from the Midwest and back East. So did you, yeah. like, did you make friends there? Like when you were hiking, like, were you allowed to like chat? And like, did you make friends with the people that were there? Yeah, they were, they were pretty strict though on, like, they would like try and delegate our conversations. But like at night when we would, afternoons, we would go looking for like firewood or wood for the fire. Like we would just talk when we would go out there. Yeah. I mean, you know, who you were before you came here, why you're here. I mean, we all kind of knew, but like you, you, yeah, you become friends, you become, I mean, but I didn't really trust any of them because they were all, a lot of, most of them were drugs or crazy. Like one guy I remember was like, just had some sick, sick issues. And I was like, don't put your sleeping bag next to me. Like, I don't want to sleep anywhere near you you are like perverse, like I like gross, you know? And then when they realized that I had a crush on the other, the hot guy, they were like, your sleeping bags are nowhere near each other. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, you think he wants to like hook up with a hairy monster over here? Like, yeah. my legs in like three months. That's hysterical. So you, are you friend? like, do you have connections with any of these people? Yeah, some of them on Facebook. Okay. Um, because remember at the time there was no social media. Yeah. But so they all like, started finding once Facebook came, um, they all started finding me and I started finding them and we all kind of, there's some of us, there's like three of the boys. I don't remember any of the girls. Yeah. Um, but I have a couple of the guy friends on my Facebook and then there's like a group that for like pathfinders, people that like from different years that talk about, you know, cause some of them. So when I left, um, real quickly, when I left in March, um, we were in, we were in New Mexico and it was the hottest summer ever, apparently that spring summer. So they ended up moving the camp to Utah that summer okay. and a kid got bit on the hand and they didn't treat it right. And the kid ended up losing their finger, maybe yeah. two fingers. And um, all the other kids said they were being abused and beaten, which we weren't, we weren't being abused and beaten at this camp, but um, maybe mentally, mental abuse, maybe sometimes not to me. I mean, a little bit. Um, they would tell me like, you're never going home. Parents found your drugs. I'm like, I don't have drugs. They found white powder in your room. I'm like, no, they didn't. <laughs> you yeah. know, they'd say, you're never going home. You're going to go to that place in Utah. There's a place in Utah. That's like, uh, like that you live there. I think that's where Paris Hilton went actually. Um, okay. and that's more of a permanent place where you have to stay. Yeah. So they would, like threaten me anyway. So the camp closed down that summer. So, okay. So when your parents come to graduation, do you, do you, do they shower you before you go to graduation? No, no. they okay. hike your parents out into the middle of the desert and they hike you back like a little bit and towards them. And then they tell you the night before, and then you have to like talk to them and tell them how you feel when they get there. And if there's anything you have to tell them or any, you know, I had stuff I needed to talk about and then that your parents take you. And so your mom, like, I, I always say mom, cause I'm sure like dads care too, but like you had to have looked 
homeless. Not like the Brooke Ray I know. Was she? They made me cut my hair. hair. They made me cut my own hair like this short. Okay. Like chopped all of my hair off, so it looked with the scissors like like this. Like, I mean, it looked horrendous. I had one eyebrow, not two. (laughs) I had dirt all over my face, dirt and butter all over my shirt. I mean, I was I was I looked homeless. And so what does your mom say? Is she like horrified or is she proud of you or what is happening? I just remember them crying a lot. I remember them crying a lot. I mean, it was, you know, I've been gone for 13 weeks. They didn't know, you know, now they know I'm here. Um, There's pictures. I'll send them to you too, of my parents hugging me crying that day. And you walk out. And then you sit around a campfire with all of them and you tell them what you need to tell them in front of everybody. You know, whatever your story is, whatever you think you need to tell them. And we did that. And so that was pretty emotional. And then they say, you say goodbye to all your friends who have been your family for the past, you know, 13 weeks and have heard all your stories. And, and then you hike out in the middle of the, you know, that's it. You say goodbye. Was there any, like you said, like you've met these people and you've been with them for three, is there 13 weeks? Is there any moment like that you're sad you're leaving any of them? think so no no I had a really hard time I remember when other people's parents came out I would cry every time because it was like I really wanted my parents to just take me away I mean I was as much as you get comfortable out there like I was the tough they always said like you're the first girl we've ever who's earned a knife that fast I had a knife like I had to earn a knife and I would like carve things and stuff so crazy and we had to start our own fire at night so they taught me how to make a fire and if you you're going on survivor no I hated every moment of it no Um, I don't even remember how to start a fire to be honest with you but if you didn't start a fire you didn't sit by the fire oh wow yeah and you had cold food you had cold food and you didn't sit by the fire so you started a fire I think it was like after three weeks you had to be able to make your own fire so when your parents pick you up do you go straight to the Ritz (laughs) yeah right and truth or consequences New Mexico um, if you Google that, <laughs> they don't have Ritz. Yeah, they're sure not. But do you go? Um, I think we had like a Best Western or something. And I went there um, and my parents had separate rooms because they hated each other still at this point. Yeah. Um, and so um, I took a bath, like I took like six baths, like over and over and over because I hadn't taken a bath or a shower in months. Yeah. Um, my mom said she took my clothes and put them outside because they smelled so bad. They smelled like campfire. Like yeah. fire. Um. And I just kept taking a shower and bath. And then we went out to dinner. I think I was in the bathroom for like three hours. My mom said, like, I just wouldn't come out. She just kept hearing the water drain and then refill and then drain. And then I'd stand up and then do it again. I was just so gross. Um, I got to shave my legs for the first time. I mean, I never was naked in three months. Like I never, when I got my period, we had to carry our tampon, dirty tampons around. Oh my God. But you and I, I buried him a lot because I was so grossed out by it. I was like, I can't do this. Did she have clothes for you? I'm assuming. Yeah. Okay. So then you fly home. Like, is Mm, it? Well, there's some, no, I mean, uh, then we went to dinner that night and my parents told me I was going to be going to boarding school in New Hampshire. Okay. And I was going to repeat my senior year. And I told my mom, no, I'm not doing that. And because the the psychologist who would come out like once a week um, said, he's like, you're done with high school. Like your friends are all older. Just graduate. Like you're 18 and a few, you know, two weeks from there, Um, just graduate, go back, get your, you know, get your diploma, graduate high school and then start college. And my parent, my mom was set on me going to this boarding school in New Hampshire, which of course my cousin went to. 
Um, okay. Which again, I'm a California girl, the thought of like living in New Hampshire. And yeah. so I, um, I told them no, and we had a huge fight at dinner. And I ended up the day we went to the, um, uh, to the um, airport, I called my best friend who was 21. He was 21 and I was almost 18. And I called him and I said, I have a check in my wallet from my work for $350. Fly me home, please, from New Mexico. I don't want to go to New, New Hampshire. My mom was putting me on a flight to go to Chicago to stay with my aunt for the summer and then go to New Hampshire. And I said, no, I'm not going. So my best friend did, he bought me a ticket. He was in love with me. So that didn't, you know, show me, I guess. I don't know at that age. Um, and so he flew me home. So I, my mom was beside her. My parents were beside themselves. My mom, especially my dad had already gone home. Um, I had my hair fixed and everything. We went to the hair salon and did all the stuff. Yeah. I got my eyebrows done. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I ended up flying home and staying with him and his family for a little while. Cause my mom wanted me to go to New Hampshire and said, I couldn't come home. Okay. And she was not happy about that. It's kind of crazy, even though, and listen, I think parenting is super hard and like everyone's doing the best they can and like figuring out what they think and that she's hearing from her older sister and all the things. So like no judgment in any way, but you would think that you being gone that long and doing that, that it would be like, okay, just come home. Right. I think they were so scared about the boy. Yeah. I think they were scared. Um, and I, I get it. I, I never, you know, it's funny. People were like, are you angry at your parents? And I'm like, I never will be angry at them for it because I know they were trying to do their best. And then what they thought was best yeah, or what they thought would make everything. Okay. Who knows what would have happened to me? I mean, to be honest, he probably would have killed me. Yeah. You know, um, I had enough hard time being back in this town when he was here because he was stalking me and, you know, haunting me and showing up at places and trying to hurt me. And, yeah. um, so I, I do understand why they did it. I just, I, I, I wish there could have been different ways because that was really rough. Yeah. But I also look back, like, I don't look back at it being like the worst experience of my life. I, were, I look back at it and being like, I did learn some things. I was yeah. a badass out there. Like I, I, yeah. I adapted to what I needed to do. Yeah. You know? and I remember being there and saying that, like, I can do this. Why can't yeah. I do this? These boys can do it. I can do it. So, so, yeah. so do you feel like becoming a mom do you feel like there's anything that you learned from like the whole experience and like that parenting and you're still a Southern California family, mm -hmm. like, does any of that come into play? Like when you first had a baby or any of those moments with your kids, cause I know you're such a great mama. Do you think about any of that? Yeah, I do. I think about, you know, and I told both my parents, like, I think that their divorce was probably, you know, I mean, yes, I looked up to my older sister and she was doing wild and crazy things. So that obviously didn't, you know, but, but I didn't want to be naughty or bad. Um, I think that there, I, I always told them, like, if I ever got divorced, it would not be how the way you did it. Like you guys did the worst way ever. And I think that they did not put me first. They put themselves first in the divorce yeah. um, because they were so angry and they couldn't help it. Right. And it was such a, I mean, it's like a divorce that lasted five years. Yeah. Um, to my mom, if she's listening to this, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you at all. I don't, I, I just know that they were, it was so nasty and both of them were just awful um, so, to each other. And I got me, stuck in it. So because being divorced, like I have to process through, like, did I do things? Like, do you mean putting yourself first, putting themselves first, like about how they were, like you were a chess piece or do you mean just overall, like they were so like consumed with, because it's a overall, lot. I mean, like, it's overall. So, 
yeah, the whole overall, instead of, I was too involved in it. I knew too much. I shouldn't have been involved. I shouldn't have known anything. I knew yeah. everything going on. I mean, I think I knew, I knew, I knew a lot of things that were hurtful. Um, yeah. They just, they played games against each other and I was in the middle of them, you know, yeah. to try to hurt the other one. Um, it was just nasty. It was nasty. They both acted like jerks. Yeah. And I think that, um, and I got in the middle of it, you know, I got kind of like, oh, you want to go to pu public school? Okay, go. We don't want to pay for private anymore or, you know, um, yeah. oh, we don't want to drive you to the valley where to the private school you want to go to or whatever it was. I think that I just got, I think I got lost. And then yeah. I went to public school and I got kind of just like, well, they don't care as much as private school. The one I went to, you know, they don't follow you around. They don't make sure you're behaving. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't cool to be smart and cool to be in my yeah. mind at that point. And I think I wanted to be more cool. Yeah. And I think it just, and then I got wrapped up with this boy and that was it. Okay. So I feel like we already know, like I always normally, when we're like ending one of these, I'm like, what's the biggest takeaway that you want everyone to take from this? And like, I'm choosing them for you, but then you can tell me if I'm like, one, I think in the whole scheme of things, I, I honestly like love that you're like, listen, they were doing the best they could. They were doing what they thought they could. Like, I feel like, I think so many people hold so many grudges, mm -hmm. um, against their parents for not doing this or not doing that or not doing what they think. I mean, even friends or things that I have that are older and they're like, well, I would never parent my kids like that. And I don't know why, or, and it's just like, parents are doing the best they can always. Or just human. <laughs> yeah, they're, and they have their own, like, as much as, you know, being a parent is like being selfless and giving yourself, like they also have hurt and process in figuring out their journey. And there's just so much that comes with it. So I love that you're so open to loving your parents in that way. And I think I, I mean, you and I talk enough that I know that you have a great relationship. I mean, you have a relationship with, you take care, you know, you have, you're I around a yeah. lot. And I yeah, love I'm that. not angry at them. A lot of the kids that went were angry and still are angry at them or angry at the camp and want to, you know, blow it out of the water and do all this stuff. And I, I didn't, I wasn't abused. I wasn't, um, you know, it, it was meant to be, I didn't love it, but I, I, I know my parents did it because they needed to help me and they were, they didn't know what else to do. They didn't think putting, and they, it wouldn't have worked if you had put me in a, they called that charter hospital out here. It was like the little hospital, yeah. right. Where all the like drug kids went or whatever. Um, it wouldn't have worked because I wasn't on drugs. Yeah. And it, would have, it wouldn't have kept the bad guy, the bad guy away from me. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I, it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot. One, um, it taught me that I can do anything. I can do anything I ever want to do. If I can be a badass out in the middle of the desert and I don't even like to camp, um, yeah. it taught me that. It also taught me to love myself more. And, you know, they, they take you down to nothing, right? They break you down to nothing. That's why they strip you, right? So you're nobody. And then they build you back up, right? So like, yeah. I can do, I knew I could do anything, but it, it, it taught me also, like, I never want to do that to my kids. Yeah. Um, I never want to, I want to make sure we never get there. Yeah. And I think I know a lot of the signs, obviously, um, but everything's different nowadays anyway. So who knows? But so far, so good. <laughs> well, and listen, it makes so much sense to me. I mean, when you said this on that call, it makes so much sense to me that because you are someone that like gets in the trenches in all ways, you know what I mean? Like you're not afraid of the work. You're not afraid to jump in. You're not afraid to be assertive and say how you're feeling and thinking, but then move forward. Right. and like move on. Like it makes so much sense. The person that you are, um, 
and that you're a badass. I mean, I think being stripped down to nothing and doing all those things, like there's only up to go from that. But I just think so many life lessons that you can't, you can't lose ever. If you well, keep we also picked each other up too. Work. I mean, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, it's, it's interesting a story of mine. Like I, you know, I told my kids maybe more recently, maybe a year ago, the older two, I kind of told them a little bit about it because I didn't really want them to think, Oh, mom was bad. Um, yeah. you know, and I also didn't really want to get into the abusive relationship part with them. Yeah. Um, but I have, I have, because I also think it's, a, it's an important story to tell. I mean, after that experience, I thought I wanted to actually educate young girls and go talk to girls. Yes. Um, about abuse, because you don't think that you could get abused in high school. You don't yes. think you get abused in affluent areas, right? Like I wasn't like some girl living in a trailer, yes. you know? So I think that um, I always kind of wanted to do that and talk to girls about abuse and why, how I even got in, you know, and then how I, I married think, such a calm man. I also think that abuse, like, because I, I've had like my bout younger too, like in high school-ish, but you what I thought like, well, he just grabbed my arm really hard and it made a bruise or I just got slapped. It wasn't it for me. I know you had like a more traumatic experience. But it started but there. Kelly. Some of it, Yeah. Some of it, it was like, well, it was just because he was really mad and he, he slapped me. And, and then it was always like the forgiveness and like, you kind of like what you think abuses or like being battered or beat up all of these little things being dragged down the hallway by my hair. Well, I was okay. Like I was okay. I like got up and I wasn't like hurt. You know what I mean? Like there were all these little things that I think people don't, they make it okay in their minds and they don't really know. They don't really realize like that is, that's. That's abuse. Yeah. Well, and it starts with a little slap or a push and then it goes to dragging you down by, you know, I mean, I got dragged by my hair too, out of a party um, in front of people. I mean, you know, then it got more brazen. And then yeah. I got, you know, then, then when I said, I'm done with this, I want out, then he bashed my face into a dashboard and tried to kill me, you know, so, and strangled me. So yeah. I think that like, I mean, I could talk about it now, obviously, cause I'm a grown up, but I still have moments where I'm like, holy shit, that happened to me. Yeah. Like how did I, as such a strong person, let that happen to me? Yes. And, and but I, I, yeah, that's a whole pretty, yeah, yeah. Both, like that, that person, like when I look back, it's almost like that's a different person Yeah. for me. Like, yeah. I don't Oh, totally different person, young, but, and so scared and young and needing someone to love her and, yes. you know, it's such a hard time in our lives. So you look back and, th- and that's where I just thank God that I don't have a daughter. <laughs> like, hey there. Well, and I can thank goodness that, I mean, Emerson is still younger, but I can tell you that Kenzie, whenever she was like feisty and like would stick up for herself or say what she thought there, even though it was a hard like for to have a high school daughter who was like so assertive and so whatever with me I felt like this is the girl I want this Mm -hmm. is the girl I want to raise like I want that and there were even times for me that she would say like why are you why are you letting that person and like I'm like okay this is what I want like I want a feisty feisty sassy strong well and I what the weird thing was is I was feisty and sassy but not with him yeah. Or maybe I was, it just, maybe that's what got me. Maybe that's what also <laughs> I talked back a lot. <laughs> yeah. This is what got you in trouble. <laughs> um, well, listen, I adore you and love you. And love I feel you. like the crazy thing about like, we all have a journey. We all have a story. We all have things that people have no idea about us that create the person that we become and create just how we, we roll in this life. And like, it all makes so much sense. Um, for me to get to know 
this part of your life. And I'm so thankful for you. And I'm so glad that you jumped on greener grass. Thank you. I feel like we have a new bond too. Do. And I'm going to share, I'm going to share all these pictures so people can see. Oh, great. <laughs> have no idea. They'll be like, this is Brooke, right? Like, what are you talking about? Not showered for three months. Um, okay. One I, eyebrow. I adore you. Thank, you. you. Thank you. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye. Brooke, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I have certainly never heard the story. I've I've heard of it, but never from from a person who went through it. So we are so grateful you came on the podcast, me and Kelly. And um, you know, listeners, you know, let us know if you want to hear more from Brooke. Um, all right, I have a bean here. You want to say hi to the listeners? Hi. Oh, she's having a little bit of a fever cold tonight. So a little bit, a little cranky, but totally good reason. And um, you know, it's going around, you guys. So many kiddos sick from sick at school, stomach flu and and RSV and, and the cold and the flu and COVID. There's so many things. So um, hope you guys are staying safe and well out there. If you would honor us with a five-star rating and a review, uh, we appreciate it so much out there in the wild west of podcasts trying to get ours found. Um <laughs> my new listeners. And if you want to become part of the family, just opt in to the link in the show notes. You'll receive an email from us once a month. All right, my friends. Do you want to say goodbye to the listeners, my love? Goodbye. Goodbye. And check out uh, the Expecting Aerialist if you, you know, if you're really into the motherhood stuff and listening to all the nitty gritty, um, you know, it's there for you. All right. Over and out. Are we done? Yeah, 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 we're done. All right. This is Greener Grass, a podcast. Ooh.